it's not a long passage of scripture, but in preparation for this sermon, there's a couple of words and there's a couple of phrases that I think stands out. And I think it would really be a help to you as a Christian. I think it'll be a really, it'll really be an encouragement to you. Look at verse number 35. And the same day, Mark 4, 35, and the same day when the even was come, he, that's Jesus, saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Now, when I was studying that, I didn't understand that phrase. Why would God say that? So just put a mark there, and we'll talk about that later. Okay? Verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind. Now, you might want to underline of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's all the text I can be seated. Being from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I'm a Cajun boy. And down in uh, Louisiana, they have what's called hurricane seasons. Now, I don't know if you have a lot of hurricane seasons or tornado warnings here. I don't know what geographical thing you have come through this area. But whenever I was in Baton Rouge, they have what's called hurricane season. And they would do a hurricane watch. And what they would tell you is, a hurricane's coming. You need to get your potted plants inside. You need to get your American flag off the front porch. You need to bring it in. You need to strap down your your trampoline. Anything at all that can blow away, you you need to take cover of it. For instance, if you had a flash flood and they said, look, there's a flash flood warning, you would make provisions to get ready for what was coming. I want you to notice in the scripture that it was a storm of wind. You see, in those days, there was mountains on both sides of that body of water. And those mountains would have wind that would come up to them and they would go over and they would flush down very quickly onto that body of water. And there was no way that you could be ready for them. You just had to be ready when they hit. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this subject. I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. Can I say this to you? Just because you are in church does not mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Just because you're in church doesn't mean your tires aren't going to pop. It doesn't mean that your water heater is not going to go bad. There are things in your life that will come, some circumstantial, some accidental, but there will be some things that you are unprepared for. And when you get the call, You have to be ready at the drop of a hat. You say, I don't understand. Let me give you some examples. I was with one of my church members, and he said, Preacher, 
We need to, can we, can you ride with me? Can you go see my Nana with me? She's not doing real well. She's going to have a stent put in her heart. I said, sure. I said, let's go. So we went to Duke and we saw her. When we saw her, we prayed with her and she was fine. The next morning she had the stent put in her heart and we went back in there the next day and she was eating a piece of fried chicken. And I walked in, I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm alive. I'm going to eat what I want. And I said, okay, I hear you. By the time we got in the car and we drove home, I received a call. Preacher, something's wrong. Can you please come back? There's not a call. There's not a person in the room that's ready to take calls like that. I was getting ready, Brother Steins, on a Sunday morning to preach. And one of our missionaries, my, one of my best friends, his name's Daniel Files, and he called me. And it's not uncommon for him to call me because I thought he might be making fun of me or whatever else. Tell me to get up. Do I need a sermon? Whatever else. I answered the phone. And I heard him on the other side of the phone. He was, Jason. I said, What is it, Daniel? He said, I don't know how to tell you this, but my daughter's just been diagnosed with leukemia. Would you pray for me? Some things you're not prepared for. You see, whenever that call happens in your life, you better know God. And you better have a relationship with God. That's why it's so important to have a church. That's why it's so important to have a relationship with God. And that's why it's so important to stay in your Bible and stay in prayer. I remember I have a preacher friend. I don't know if you know Brother John McConkie or not. Over in Jacksonville. I was sitting in my office whenever I received the call from him. Jason, would you pray for me? Sure. John, what's wrong? My son's got cancer in his leg. He's only like 10 or 11. Would you pray for him? You see, folks, all I'm saying to you tonight is you're one phone call away from your whole world getting turned upside down. And these disciples got on a boat and Jesus put them on the boat and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And whenever he said, let's go to the other side, they weren't expecting that windstorm but they had to deal with it. Let me say this to you. You're not immune to problems just because you're in church. Preacher, I don't even know how to handle problems. The good thing is this. You don't have to know how to handle problems. All you got to do is go to the Bible and it will tell you how to handle the problems. So in the next few minutes, and I see what time it is, I won't keep you long. But there's four things that I want you to see in this passage of Scripture on preparing us on how to handle problems. That windstorm that came, they were not prepared. They did not know it was coming. They had no warnings. Number one, look at verse number 35. What do you do when your storm comes in life? What do you do when you never see something coming? Look at verse number 35. Don't miss this. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, who's he? That's Jesus saying to them, let us pass over onto the other side. Let me stop right here and let me just say this. I don't care how bad that storm got. If the storm was so bad and it beat up that ship 
and it sunk the ship, Jesus would have had to make a submarine to get him to the other side because Jesus had already told him, you're going to the other side. Number one, trust his word more than how you feel. Trust his word more than how you feel. The devil is so good at getting our feelings all messed up. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Can I say this to you? Trust his word. Trust his word over how you feel. Tonight, I don't know how you feel. Maybe you're coming in here tonight and you feel you feel bad. Maybe you're coming in here tonight and you feel sad. Maybe you're coming in here tonight and you feel inadequate. Maybe you're coming in here tonight and you feel insecure. Maybe you're coming in here tonight and you're just not what you ought to be. Can I say this? Find a scripture and trust his word. The Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Bible teaches us very plainly. There's promises all throughout the Bible. Find you a promise, put it in your brain, and hold on to it. Why? Because there's going to be times in your life where you don't feel like doing anything. So what do you do? Trust his word. You trust his word. Number two, what do you do when a storm hits you? Number one, I said trust his word. But number two, look at this. I've never thought about this. Verse number 36. And when he had sent away the multitude, he took him, even, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Okay, let's stop for a second. Now, you know who's on that ship, right? The disciples. I can't prove this biblically, but let me just kind of tell you a little bit about my thought process. Who was the big mouth on the, on the disciples? Peter. Can you imagine Peter? Hey, boys, I got this. I'm a fisherman. Don't wake up, Jesus. I got this. And so he goes to the steering wheel. I got this. And he's <laughs> then you got the disciples back here. And they're all whispering. Thomas, the doubter, we're all going to die. <laughs> John, the beloved. Oh, I just love this. This is great. He's all clapping. You know, all these disciples are doing different things. And Peter's, I got this, I got this. Now let me, tell, let me help you with something. Ladies, anytime a man is trying to convince himself that he's got this, he does not have this. <laughs> anytime a man is trying to talk himself into the fact that he's got it, we're in trouble. So Peter's over there, he's, he's doing his best. He's, he's trying to get the shit where it needs to go. Finally, he stops. He says, boys, <laughs> we might ought to go get Jesus. Here's my question for you. If they went down there to get Jesus, who's driving the ship? Number two, when life hits you out of surprise, number one, trust his word more than how you feel. But number two, you have to take your hands off the steering wheel for God to do anything in your life. There's been times in my life, Brother Steins, that I wanted something to happen. And so I worked hard to make that happen. I wanted the church to grow. I wanted to have a big day. I wanted to have a big offering. And God just sits up in heaven and says, if you want to drive it, drive it. But I'm not going to drive it until you stop driving it. Look at me. You go ahead and you try to fix your marriage. 
You go ahead and you try to help your children. You go ahead and you try to fix your own financial situation. But until you come to an altar and you say, God, I can't do it on my own. God, I, I, I may not be the best, but God, I certainly need some help. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever came to an altar and said, God, you drive the ship? You couples in here right now that's trying your best to work things out, come to the altar and say, God, you drive the ship. Number three, look at verse number 38. (laughs) So they go down there and they see Jesus. When they get down there and they see Jesus, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and they said this to him, Master, care so not that we perish. In other words, do you care that we're about to die? Now, have you ever been woke up out of a dead sleep? Has one of your kids ever walked in and woke you up out of a dead sleep and asked you a question that you're just like, huh? Jesus sits up and says, what? Don't you care that we're about to die? But at least they told him how he felt. At least they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, we're in a mess right now. You put us in the boat. You told us to go to the other side. You told us that that everything would be fine. We've tried to do everything we can, but we can't do it alone. At least they told him how they felt. Can I say this to you? It's high time for many Christians just to be honest with God. You want to have revival? It starts with you coming to an altar and getting honest with God about your sin. Getting honest with God about your fears. Getting honest with God about about your thoughts. It, it It all starts with you getting honest with God. And whenever they went down... And they saw him, they were honest. And they told him, don't you care that we're about to die? Don't miss this last one. Look right here. So in verse number 39, he arose and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. Can I give you an example of something, please? Every Wednesday night for the Steins, I get on a bus and I go pick up kids and bring them to our church. And then after church on Wednesday night, I get on a bus, I bring them home, and then we come back to the church. It's about 9.15 when I get home, or not whenever I get back to the church. We hop in my red truck, and we start driving home. We're driving. How many of you have children? Let me tell you something. Them kids are smart, man. Kylie, who is sitting right here, She's in sixth grade. I have a fourth grader. And here's what they'll do to me. They'll start saying, Daddy, you worked really hard today. You're thirsty, huh? (laughs) And I said, no. And they said, Dad, you know why we like being with you? Because you're the cool parent. (laughs) And we know if we go with Mom, she won't stop at McDonald's. Thank you for stopping at McDonald's. I said, I didn't say I was stopping at McDonald's. And so then my fourth grader, who's sitting in the back seat, she starts, Dad, you're the greatest dad ever. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll take a 10-piece nugget, but thank you. You are awesome, man. I, I tell all my kids at school all the time what a great dad you are. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a minute. What's happening here? Kylie, who knows these bigger words because she's in sixth grade, will look over at me. Dad, you look dehydrated. Why don't we pull in here and get you something? Get you some Coke or something. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? So as I'm driving and as it's getting closer, man, they're, they're pouring it on. Dad, you're the greatest dad ever. We love you. Thank you for everything you do. What, guys, you know good and well, I'm not passing up McDonald's. So I hit, the, I hit the brakes, I turn in, and they're like, yes, Dad, see, we knew it. Why in the world would I stop? Because they had poured it on so thick, I got to stop. <laughs> Listen to me very carefully. I wish Christians would pour it on so thick with God and thank Him for doing miracles before He ever does them. What if the disciples would have said, hey guys, we got Jesus with us. It's no problem. We're good. But instead they panicked. Listen to me, Christians. You have the Lord Jesus Christ on your side. You have Jesus with you. There's nothing for you to be scared of. There is nothing for you to be fearful of. There is nothing for you to be ashamed of. Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of the world, is on your side. He's already won everything that he needs to win. Why are we so fearful in our lives? Let's tonight come to an altar and thank the Lord for what he's done before he ever does it. You say, what do you mean? Why don't you start thanking the Lord for putting your marriage back together before he ever does it? Why don't you come to an altar tonight and start thanking him for bringing your wayward child back home? Why don't you uh, start thanking the Lord for getting out of your financial situation? Start thanking God for what he's done. Not, not belly aching because he hasn't done it yet. Can you look at one more with me? Look at verse number 36. You remember that little statement that we made in verse number 36? In verse number 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. I didn't understand that. And so anytime I, didn't, I don't understand something in Scripture, I begin to study it just to find out what is, what's there. Back in those days, when the ships were going across the body of water, there would be a big ship and the little ships would be behind the big ship. The big ship was called the wedge. The big ship was called the wedge. And when a swell or when a wave came towards the big ship, it would hit that wave. And as long as the little ships came behind the big ship, the little ships would be fine. Jesus was the wedge in this story. Listen to me carefully, church. This church needs some people that will rise up tonight and be the wedge in this church. This church needs some people that will rise up and say, I don't care what hits. I don't care what swells hit me. I don't care what, what, uh, what, what, what liberalism may come, what Hollywood may come. I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to stand right. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. I've got people that are following me. Hey, rise up, deacon. Rise up, officers. Rise up, Sunday school teacher. Rise up, church member. Why? Somebody in this church has got to be a wedge for the kids to grow up behind. Amen. Is it you? 
my dad is 80 years old. He was in the Vietnam War. He lost his eye and part of his leg in the Vietnam War. I've watched my dad be so faithful to the house of God. He goes soul winning at the age of 80. He stands outside grocery stores and hands out tracts until he can't stand anymore and then he'll go sit down and he'll pass them out while he's sitting down, Brother Steins. You know what my dad is for me? He's a wedge. Listen to me, Dad. You got kids growing up behind you. They're watching you. Grandparents, these kids are watching you. These teenagers are watching you. We need some people tonight to come to an altar and say, I don't care what comes in my life. I don't care if a windstorm comes. I'm going to trust his word over how I feel. I don't care if a windstorm comes. I'm going to tell Jesus how I feel. I don't care if a windstorm comes. I'm going to take my hand off the wheel and I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to thank God for what he's doing before he ever does it. And I'm going to be a wedge for people to follow me. Would you bow your head with me, please? Nobody looking around. Pianist, would you come, please?